Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? I know, you're Jack. Be right with you. You're the heroic fantasy? Bingo. Not quite what you were expecting, right? Almost done. Sounds good, don't it? Yeah. I'd ask you to get closer to the microphone, but you're not going to anyway. And don't worry about the bad audio. What bad audio? That bad audio. I'm sorry. I said don't worry about it. I'll get Drew to fix it. How did you know? What's really going to bake your stromboli later on is, would you still have made it happen if I hadn't said anything? You're more of an old soul than I thought. I can see why they're friends with you. Who? <laughs> Not too bright, though. You know why Nathan wanted you to review me. So, what do you think? Do you think I'm the best choice? Honestly, I don't know. You know what that means? It's DGAF. Means don't give a fuck. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Being the heroic fantasy choice is just like being the war pick. No one can tell you you're a worthy pick of the genre. You just are. Through and through. Balls to bones. Well, I better have a rewatch. Open your eyes and say, here we go again. Here we go again. Okay, now you're supposed to say, wow, that's a good rewatch. But then you say... But what? But you already know what you're going to say. That I would have picked an older, better film. Sorry, kid. You got the movie knowledge, but it looks like you're waiting for something. What? The next season title, maybe? Who knows? The right one is hard to come by. What's funny? Nathan, he almost had me blown away with his pick. I know. Poor Nathan. Without him, we wouldn't have low-hanging cheeseball picks. What do you mean, without him? Are you sure you want to hear this? Nathan believes in you, Jack. And no one, not you, not even Drew, can convince him otherwise. He believes it so blindly that he's going to review shitty and mediocre films to spend time with you. <laughs> what? You're going to have to make a choice. In one hand, you'll get to spend time with Nathan. And on the other hand... You'll have time to literally do anything else that remotely sounds good. One of you is going to be a sad panda. Which means, uh, which one of you will it be? It's up to you. I'm sorry, kiddo, I really am. You have good jokes, and I hate giving the Patreons wonky genre choices. Oh, don't worry about it. As soon as you close the Discord, you'll start feeling better. You'll remember, you were the one that picks Yojimbo. You're in control of your own picks. Remember, here, take a review. I promise, by the time you're done reading it, you'll feel right as rain. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> man, oh man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Feels Podcast. I am uh, Nathan, the guy that came in a little bit too late, but I still kind of figured out what I was doing in the Matrix. <laughs> Uh, this is host Jack, and my mantra for this episode is, not like this. <laughs> not like this. Not like this. I'll I'll be uh, the curator, host Drew. It's not exactly canon for this film, but I do love the idea of the curator. <laughs> You'll find the curator is quite operational <laughs> when your <laughs> friends arrive. When your friends plug in. <laughs> <laughs> and for this uh pick of heroic fantasy i went a little bit different than your run-of-the-mill uh lord of the rings you know fantasy genre and went with uh you pass up crow <laughs> yes i did Beastmaster. we could have had crow masters of the universe <laughs> the matrix drew hit the trailer <laughs> you were so sure was real what if you were unable to wake from that dream how would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world what is happening to me the answer is out there neo it's the question that drives us what is the matrix the Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. Human beings are a disease. You are a cancer of this planet. And we are the cure. Get me the hell out of here! Welcome to the real world. So you're here to save the world. So what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy. Because Kansas is going bye-bye. some good that was some beautiful bean footage and right there the matrix this is let's let's bring it back this is why i picked to 1999 1999 <laughs> the feels this is the heyday of of little old nathan uh and and of drew we were and 13 jack, <laughs> jack were you in into this or no when it first came out 
Oh no, the, this this I was very very much into the Matrix. Uh, this was also around the time that I had splurged on a Sony mini disc player from uh, Best Buy, mm. and uh, the first album I had bought was um, Rage Against the Machines: Evil Empire, which is featured in <laughs> uh-huh. this soundtrack. Good soundtrack too. This this mm-hmm. has some it is some powerful. It, it's not like too emotionally like there's no like ballads like everything i do do it for you oh trinity keanu reeves powerful soundtrack powerful erection (laughs) but you have you you know what i can almost see that i can almost see that trinity leaning in just going like the oracle said i would fall in love with a dead man everything i do she goes in for the kiss (laughs) Uh, switches. This kiss, this kiss. Oh, <laughs> holy shit! That thing is real. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, 1999. I would have been a sophomore or a junior, depending on when it came out in high school. Okay, and it was a very good year. <laughs> now this gave birth to a lot of the trench coat kids, the 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 quad kids, as I knew them. And and everyone kind of like went on this weird like watchdog like everyone kind of side-eyed those kids a little bit more because they started wearing those trench coats and glasses and practicing martial arts in the quad. You're like, wait a minute. The next step is they're going to say guns, lots of guns, and that's not okay. It was a uh, an unfortunate cohesion or uh, sort of intersection of the sort of the steampunk goth of the Matrix. But unfortunately, this is happening just post-Columbine. Yeah. So some of the trench coats and the like, the um, vinyl or leather or whatever, tight pants. Uh, I remember many girls wearing like the, the Trinity sort of uh, wannabe pants. I, I don't which, think anyone I had a problem, have with. A problem with. Uh, but the school administration, I'm sure, did have problems That's their with. problem. But they, yeah, there are definitely some interlopers <laughs> at that point. But uh, yeah, the Matrix, fuck, man. You, you did, you picked yeah. another and, classic. And, uh, mm-hmm. Just one of those really, I feel like, sets the, even though it's not, when you say heroic fantasy, you don't instantly think, oh yeah, like, Matrix is like a her- super heroic fantasy. Because it's just, the words drive home Dungeons and Dragons so hard that you don't, yeah, or, or like, maybe, dog. Uh, piratey, like, <laughs> just that, like, high adventure, not... Well, but I mean, like, fan- fantasy can go beyond the realms yes. of anything that is, you know, within possibility, and you have a hero, and you have a villain, and you have a quest, I mean... Why not? You have legends this, foretold. This movie prophecies. Almost, it's very, it's very Greek. You have a this freaking movie oracle. Almost <laughs> is like borderlines on heist. And I know that sounds weird, but like two times. One, they go to the oracle to like they have to infiltrate, get information, and then get out. And they get betrayed, like in a, any good heist film, they get betrayed. But it was Joe Pantoliano. <laughs> we all knew he was going to betray as soon as that a movie started. To Joey Pants. I, I don't like the look of you. Is this lying clear? Your stylish little soul patch uh, goatee. You've got yeah, okay, something so under your sleeve. Backing it all up, Wisnowski brothers, they... Well, siblings. They kill yes. it. I mean, they took their time. This is what I think yeah. a lot of movie yeah. directors need to, like, 
look at as a whole and go, okay, they did five years prep work, kind of like Lord of the Rings, and they were they were growing the Shire for two years before they even started filming. And it pays off. Is their passion project? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because I mean before that they had no they had no real history in Hollywood. They were unknown directors. They were known as scriptwriters, but you didn't have them in the director's chair. So before they were even going to be given a chance for the screenplay for the Matrix, they they had to direct, you know, another film. They had to cut their teeth. Yeah, they yeah, exactly. They had to get their feet wet. Right. And I mean, and even beyond the Matrix, what we have obviously the two sequels, you have Cloud Atlas with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry. And though not everybody's favorite, though I do love the concept of it, uh, Jupiter Ascending. That, and Jack's like, uh, Jupiter Ascending, I don't know about that one. That was, I mean, it I'm was not saying fantastical, it's, I'm not saying it's great. but... I mean, I just, I like the concept of it, but I don't, it, but it didn't, it didn't go over really well. No, mm-hmm. no, though I do, yes. I do like uh, me some Mila Kunis. Mm-hmm. But she has that terrible line, uh, I love dogs, I've always loved dogs. Shut it's up. just a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> so i i like with well, the second one's revolutions isn't it uh reloaded, reloaded. and then revolutions Re- so reloaded i really enjoy mm-hmm. revolutions sort of you have a I'm fight gl- in inter- zion you have mech suits yeah but that's not what got me f- like there were no mech suits in the first one like i i didn't need the mech suits it was I, I all know. right but but I, but I, I feel I did like, like it the was fact a, that a they sour that they could fight outside the matrix to, to go Dude, out. It doesn't on. stick the landing. That's true. The revolutions. I don't think sticks the landing. No, 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 I don't. I think it is the dances with wolves of and of endings. Like it's it's <laughs> decent to watch, but it's the end you're sort of yet. like this isn't the movie that yeah, we're reviewing, but it's right. not phenomenal. Lands in such a way that you're not going Game of Thrones eight like season eight. Like what 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 is going. Who chose it? <laughs> What's going on? Like, I will go back and rewatch all three of these in in a heartbeat. Like, I love to. Season eight, I will not. No, no, I I agree with you. I don't I don't so. dislike it that much. But there's going to be a fourth one. Mm-hmm. I think it's in production. It may come out this year or next year. I am interested to see where that goes because I feel like there mm-hmm. there was there there needed to be more. Although I think it is a little bit disappointing where I read where Hugo Weaving will not be part of Matrix 4 due to scheduling conflicts with another film. This is film. bullshit. I, I got a belly full of white dog crap and you pull this on me, Drew? I mean, is he <laughs> filming like Tolkien's yeah, Silver <laughs> for Vendetta 2? God <laughs> damn it, Hugo Weaving. I, hey, you know what? Maybe he maybe he is going to be part of like the uh, the Amazon Silmarillion series. Maybe that's what he's filming. Yeah, that could be cool. I don't know. I'm interested I mean, to see it. I, I thought... As a whole, the series was was good, but you know, it's just like like any Star Wars trilogy, and there's three of them now. There's always sort of the, the the apple that you bite into, and you get a little bit of brown and mush. And I thought that was the third one. Fair enough. Now, can we can we slightly discuss the the redheaded stepchild of the Matrix franchise? Animatrix. The, the Animatrix. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. I watched it way, way back, and I do not remember a damn thing about it, except for the fact that it's, you know, again, it's all animation. It's like CGI and whatnot. So I I don't remember much about it, but I do know that I have watched it because I I used to own uh, the original, like the original trilogy, you know, DVD set. And 
I mean, it was it was there. It was just kind of like snuck in. It's kind of like when you uh, have Vin Diesel's like uh, Pitch Dark franchise and then there's uh, Pitch Dark Dark Fury and it's the one animated uh, Riddick film that like no one really seems to talk about or even care about, which quite honestly is fine. It just takes place after Pitch Dark, but I think they, they were kind of following that same line. I don't but, talk about any man. of those films. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we know, my movie taste is candy corn. Uh, my my impression on the rewatches, because I hadn't watched The Matrix in yeah, probably a few years. I am inspired mm-hmm. to go back and I will rewatch the trilogy again. But my first impression you know it's a great story it's well crafted uh you know it's go it's got those twists and turns as far as like oh when he wakes up in the in like his little battery cell liquid yeah. pod you're like oh oh god oh what the hell's going on like that sort of complete <laughs> 180 still fantastic but it is just a visual feast of the senses as far as the visual effects go like bar none for oh, its yeah. era and even now over 20 years later it is just blasting out of the park with the visual effects well and you can see what it inspired as well not only for like at main stage like action films but also for the effects you know like we were introduced to bullet time so which i i it had it had i think i had read by 2002 three years after it come out uh, that had been parodied in 22 other films as well it should oh yeah like shrek and i mean just a multiple multiple things but um yeah, it's still it still holds up well. I think. So I would mm-hmm. put the like the camera trickery and just the things that they would do on par with Star Wars, like Episode Four, where it's so simple. Some of the things they do because thing has to be computer generated, or just little parts that are like, listen, we don't have the budget to just like keep throwing this against the computer when. And even in the goofs, where you're like, oh, I can see the camera in the in the door handle. But when you really look, when they cover it up. And <laughs> if they cover it up. look like it's part of like his, his freaking tie. tie. I'm like, this is so ingenious. Right. Like, this is like what like low budget people need to like learn and go, oh, hey, I don't have to like just have a, a computer science engineering uh, degree. Can't afford industrial light <laughs> magic? There's options. There's an option. I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, not that the film was low budget. It had a budget of like $63 million. But I mean, lo and behold, when it came around for the worldwide gross, it made 7.4 mm-hmm. times its budget with like, what was it? 400. Yeah. $466 million Ooh, worldwide. Yeah. It, it very, it very easily. It very easily made its money back. But, I mean, like you said, like, tricks of the trade with the camera. You have brilliant lighting design to go along with the thematic elements that are found within the film. Every single time that they're in the Matrix, it always has a green hue, you know, to represent the... uh, the staleness and the lifelessness that is within like the com- old school, like green screen computer programming. If they're ever in the real world, it's a, it's a hint of blue. So, I mean, it's just it's all about it. I mean, it's, it's really neat to look for it. One of my favorite uh, technical shots is when they're hiding in the wall. Mm-hmm. 
And it just shows the side view, like the cross section of them hiding in the wall and slowly lowering themselves down, like black on either side. It's just the 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 back of the foundation and the the front of like the you know the drywall and and all that stuff. I, I, it's just a beautiful shot to me, and that also brings me to my next point: is that I've always wanted to rage out like Morpheus does <laughs> when he bursts out. <laughs> And he rushes through the wall. <laughs> and then slams somebody into uh, sinks and toilets so that uh, little pieces just artfully so fall off. well choreographed and so well done. Just when he's fighting the agent and he knows that he can't win, that he's... That, but he is just like oh, going right. through. He is throwing everything that he has, and just that, like the cha cha cha, like, and he. Ugh, and I, I think I think it really. I mean, even for Morpheus, <laughs> even for Morpheus to go up against, you know, an agent, any agent, but let alone like Agent Smith, it proves to the fact of like how serious and dire the enemy really is. It's not just Morpheus saying everybody who's gone up against an agent has died. It's not the fact that they are super strong and they're fast and they're beyond human speed. Anything like that. It's the fact that Morpheus is deemed to be like this holy figure. He is the best of anybody. <laughs> he's the best of anybody who has been awoken and he's creating this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, recruitment team of like, come join our cult. Welcome to the real world. But and he's getting his ass kicked. And you realize, like, oh, mm-hmm. God, if, Morpheus, if Morpheus is losing in the Matrix, holy crap. There is a little tidbit of information that I did learn while researching and then doing the watches through this that I'm glad they did not include in the movie. Because originally, uh, and I think, I don't know if they shot it and it was cut or they just decided not to do it, uh, that they there would be a reveal that Neo was like the sixth person that he had found that he thought was the one. And there were five previous people that he thought was the one that had come before him. And and that would have been sort of like, like, like every member of the the crew is like, Oh, so you're, you're the new, you're the new chosen, chosen one. So was Trinity. So was Cypher. Uh, Look at this dick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's sort of like that one episode of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia when uh, they move into the house and Mac keeps on making his special recipe for oh. mac and cheese, uh, and it's you find out it's just craft blue box. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't do that because it 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 lent the the story as a whole more gravity that he had finally found the one rather than like up oh, six times a charm. And, right. and that reveal later on is he's off. Way better than it would have. Been. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's also interesting to see like w- when he is finally like awoken, he finally decides to take that pill, and you know he goes down the rabbit hole, and he wakes up in his literally like nutrients pod, whatever it is, and he has all the pie, he has all the cords, and the everything's like hooked up to him, and the spider nanny bot like undrills him and flush, down the flushes garbage. him. They flush the people who wake up <laughs> down the garbage. And it's really kind of interesting because everything else has, like, high security. You would almost think that, like, I guess the robots are almost, what's the mentality? Like, okay, they've been flushed. No need to retrieve the body. No need to, like, have security roaming around that area. Don't we have rogue people, like, picking up the people that we flush and making an army? Yeah, we do. Should we get them? No, let's ignore them. (laughs) But they would need to, so they, they traced 
where his location was, so they were sort of ready to pick him up. But as far as the continuity is concerned, if they flush somebody down who has never used their their muscles before and everything's atrophied and they're weak as a lamb, they probably would have drowned in that cesspool within, (laughs) you know, a minute or two. But that is a good point. That is a good well, point. but I mean, it's also an impressive sight. I mean, let alone like, of course, the CGI creating it and everything because it's a fantastical element, but it is impressive and it's so neat to be be brought out of this, not a utopian kind of like concept, conceptual of the world, but like our real world being brought into the reality of the dystopia where you have towers upon so towers of, as they put them, like the Duracell battery. And then they show a completely separate field where the babies are grown. So the babies are grown and then they're plucked and then they're put into what? Like a proofing chamber? Like you're baking bread? <laughs> and then when everything's ready? <laughs> so uh, I think the first time they pick up Neo and they remove the like the little yeah. bot they inserted into him after oh, the, he oh, the was tracer. interrogated. The, the tracer? Yeah. Uh, I think it was, was think it Apone <laughs> was was driving. He's the first guy yeah, that Apoc. Joey yeah. Apoc, and he, he calls Neo Switch. Copper Top, mm-hmm. which is slang for a, a Duracell battery. battery. Yeah. I th- you know that that's a, a nice little little tidbit. I found out that Apoc is actually short for Apocalypse because later in the uh, comic book uh, franchise in the canon of the Matrix, he create he created the Four Horsemen virus that they use against the machines. So that's why he's called Apoc. And Switch was supposed to, in the real world, be be one gender, and in the Matrix was supposed to be another gender. Mm -hmm. But that was a little bit too too eyebrow-raising for the the 90s. So, okay, Ready Player One does this, and Mm. in the movie... I don't know if it, they do it that well. I think this would have been a movie that they could have easily gotten away with it. And it again, Switch is, doesn't have that big of a part where you don't really go like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to know everything about Switch. Like, what the fuck? Like, not like this. <laughs> not, like, <laughs> not, not like this. this. Trinity. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is really kind of an interesting thing, but they kept the name. I like that. Right. And everything's supposed to be like, I guess, computer referencing, like, you know, mouse, switch, cipher. Uh, I mean, Trinity is her is her own little thing where it's I mean, it's it's religious in affiliation to where I mean, she is the Trinity. She she's almost like having the power of God within herself to like, I guess, like bring there are a lot of allegories, there's a lot of allegories. like uh, she brings yeah. back Neo from the dead, but it's also like Neo is the princess, but she's the prince charming and, r- and brings him back with the power of yeah. love, literally kissing him and waking him up. And uh, Joey Pants uh, is the Judas yep. Iscariot of, uh, of the uh, thing. Th- that is disappointing, though, about Mouse. Because yeah. he only gets like one badass scene where he holds up like the, <laughs> the drum auto firing yeah. shotguns, but it seems like he doesn't actually kill any of the. I don't think so. Officers. No, he shoots he just like, sort of like, shoots like, around. like oh, and then just so he, realistically, he kind of um, because he gets killed off so quickly, he kind of reminds me of like, and he's the first one where it's like. Whoa, 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 this is real. In Mission Impossible with Emilio Estevez, he's the one that kind of, you know, he gives him the gum and all that stuff. And it's like, you're like, oh, I have this connection with Emilio Estevez. I like him. He's really, he's one of the good guys. And then all of a sudden, he was in Men of Work. He was in Mighty Ducks, goddammit. 
When he dies, you're like, oh shit, this is real. Like, this is really happening. I think he has the most, obviously, like, the most violent death out of anybody of the crew. Because, like, he's just, like, gripping the chair and just shaking violently. And then blood just pulls out of his mouth. And maybe the uh, dual-wielding shotguns was not the best choice of armament for the slightest man in the crew. He didn't have much time to, like, react. He just had to hold down down the fort. That's all he had to do. (laughs) Yeah, but they should have had Mouse, like, slipping through the shadows and, like, you know... Slipping like, knives yeah, in the what if face he, what if he was just of, like of the, officers' necks right, or, or something like that. That, that would have been a little type. bit cool. I feel they, I feel they failed Mouse. <laughs> failed him spectacularly. But Switch and Apoc like show that they're like that they they know what's up and they're going sideways. Oh yeah, when when, when, he, when Apoc does the uh, the submachine gun and then whatever, blah 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 blah, <laughs> like up. Oh. Uh, Engage A and then B C D and E. But it's it's a great twist where having the the betrayal and they are so helpless. Which one Trinity doesn't even put it on speaker. What? Like, come on, bitch! If I'm gonna die, like put the put the guy on speakerphone. I want to hear what he's saying. Did they, did, did no, they no, have no. speakerphone for like a 1999 it's a Nokia? Cell it's gotta be. Did they? Uh, no. Uh, this this may be beyond the pale. And I'm sure Nathan is going to uh, cringe and roll his eyes. But do you think uh, Joey Pantaleone's character was sort of the MAGA member of the crew? Like, oh, yeah, I know the truth, oh, but I don't really need the truth. So just no, you know, ignorant, let's go back my, to the untruth. My brain is telling me that the stake is ro- is not real, but ignorance is bliss. I want to be someone important. Like an actor. <laughs> like an actor. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? I think there's parallels. <laughs> Ugh, I I think they nailed the actor though, and just like I mean, he's slimy. He's slimy even when he's trying yeah. to be nice to Neo, and he's all like, "They nailed the parallels." <laughs> <laughs> I don't even see the code anymore. Just blonde, brunette, redhead, blonde, brunette. I mean, it doesn't even look suspicious. It doesn't even look suspicious. <laughs> no, not at all. When he walks up, he's like, "Oh gosh, you scared me." He turns off all the can. Turns off all the feeds. Out of all the training and stuff like that, what what was your favorite part? Of like Neo's, you know, rise to to where he was. Like, what part of the training do you well, like the best? I mean, what did you what what did you really see for the training aside from sparring with Morpheus and the jump? Okie dokie. For my mark. But what if he makes it? Once if I made the first jump. I know, I know. But what if he does? He won't. Come on. Right. No problem. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Everybody falls the first time. Well, the director of Drunken Master and choreographer was the choreographer yes! for The Matrix. I would have liked to have seen that just just kind of just kind of brushed on, just tickled a little bit. Right? But that's still a really cool concept. He, um, he had full And that control fight scene it. in the dojo is is one of my favorites of the but film. Oh, yeah. Like, so he asked for like... He asked, for an obs- he, he asked for an obscene amount of money 
He didn't think that they and would even get like that. four months to train them four before train shooting before, ever started. And full control over every single fight scene. He's like, they're not going to say no to that. Or they're not going to say yes to that. And they're like, and they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we're game. And he's like, oh, well, shit. When, when do you want to start? <laughs> when do you want to start? Damn it. How was he? Ten hours straight. He's a machine. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Yeah, but I mean, that that kind of dovetails into the vision that the w- w- Wachowskis, mm-hmm. Wachowskis had for this movie is like, fuck it. Like, this is the guy we want. We know he's going to do what needs to be done. Yeah. So, yeah. Pay them. And out. everything that was like important visually had to be storyboarded, you know, exceptionally well before it was really put onto the film. I mean, everything in here is, you know, you have so much of an ideal concept for mirrors in this movie. Everything is reflective because like a mirror is not really giving a true reflection. It's a reversed image of ourself. You have mirror in Morpheus's glasses. I love when he has the red and blue pill in front of him. It's blue Bills, pill, yeah. red pill. When more when when he's reaching for the red pill, his arm is not even visible reaching for the red pill in one side of his face on the blue. It's only in the red. You know, uh tapping into the mirror and turning into the uh, the Neo uh, T-1000. He just, you know, got quicksilvered up and it's it's really neat. Do not <laughs> seek the treasure. It's cold. It's cold. There is no spoon. I mean, you, you think like the Oracle has like a uh, like an X-Men daycare, like sitting right in her apartment <laughs> with all these kids. Well, that's another thing about the Oracle is that she, you know, she's and you don't know this, or you can kind of divine it a little bit, but uh, you don't know for sure until the second film that she's not human. She's a program. Right. Uh, but she gives Neo a cookie. Mm-hmm. And any website that you go to, most of them will say, like, here, here's a cookie. Here's a piece of data. Do you accept the cookies? Can we give this to you? <laughs> so she literally gives him a cookie, a piece of data. And I think that's just just wonderful especially in the you know 1999's terms of uh sort of foreshadowing you know this whole steampunk fantasy sci-fi techno vibe of the the whole series I mean, hell you have pay phones that's pretty you, uh, <laughs> it's pretty retro nokia nokia stiletto <laughs> <laughs> I love that the that the Oracle is so so well spoken about what needs to be said, but not too much. She just doesn't like yeah. give them the answer. I mean, she she kind of does, but it's like mm, you're still not ready to hear this. So, well, because Neo gonna... needs to make the choice for himself. It's not that she can tell him, "Yes, you are a hero." Neo needs to decide. He needs to accept that fate. On his own. He needs to believe And just it. like Morpheus says on the rooftop after they rescue Trinity by pulling her out of the crashing helicopter, like, you have to walk the path. Yeah. It's a leap of faith. But you must believe, boy. You must But as far as the Oracle is concerned, Nathan, you're you're 100% correct. And that is is one of the biggest pieces of humor is when, you know, I could see why she likes you. Huh? 
Not too bright, but not so bright. Not too bright. Not too bright. I love that scene. The scene, yeah, the scene with the Oracle is probably, I think, one of the best. I, 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 it's just, it's fun. It's kind of, again, introspective to where he's supposed to be really looking at himself, not it's, not it's her looking at him. And I mean, that interview or that meeting with her is really more about him needing to find out about himself. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's a bit fortuitous to what it is, obviously. And I'm sure Drew, the English teacher, can tell us uh, the uh, saying in her kitchen above the, the entrance, know thyself in Latin. Who is that reference to? What historical figure? That's the, that's the reference to um, the Oracle of Delphi. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, so. Nathan's like, yeah, <laughs> smile and nod. <laughs> Is that is that the Odyssey? <laughs> the Oracle of Delphi was a historical. You know, it, it existed, oh. or at least in mythology, in, in Greek mythology, sure. yeah, in Greek mythology. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know thyself know, was yeah, know thyself. Meaning, like you should know what you know. Like you shouldn't walk into obviously the Oracle of Delphi's domain. You know, one being pompous, being arrogant, acting like you're a know-it-all. Like obviously you're coming to an Oracle because you don't know something. Be humble, damn it. Like know what you know and know what you don't. And whatever I have to say to you, you're going to have to take that in the context of who you right. are. Right, like you came what to me. What if when Neo is fighting the agent right in the, the train Mr. station? Mr. Smith. Smith. <laughs> Mr. Agent Smith. What if there was like a like a little Reagan. cloud and the oracle says remember just that booming voice thomas thomas yes smith that is what they used to call me i am agent johnson and i come to you now at the turn of the tide I was there, Neo. Uh, did you? I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Morpheus, destroy it! <laughs> no. Morpheus! Never. At the time in, in 2000, when it went to the Academy Awards, this was the biggest landslide movie to win so many Oscars that wasn't up for Best Picture. So it won Best Visual Effects, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Film Editing. So, I mean, it was it was a huge contender. And, and who, who did they beat out? For for those categories, I believe was it was a Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was George Lucas. <laughs> Same year came out George Lucas's Phantom Menace. Uh, I don't know. It's so wizarding. <laughs> it's so wiz- <laughs> it's working. It's so <laughs> fucking wizard. But speaking of Wild Wild West, I mean the people who are up for the role of Neo and you know inevitably turned it down. What do we got? We got Leonardo DiCaprio. We have Will Smith who did turn it down to do Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> but he did he, and this is something else that yeah take it with a grain of salt but he said he wasn't a mature enough actor and keanu reeves uh was right for the yeah, role he said he would have messed it then up again this is the same guy that did Wild did well was uh nick cage turned it down tom cruise oh. turned it down they originally wanted johnny depp uh brad pitt and uh, yeah but now for morpheus sam jackson okay I could, I could probably see it. Val Kilmer, why? <laughs> is that air? You breathe the motherfucking Why not? Um, you think that's air? I shot Marvin in the supposedly, face. Supposedly, supposedly, <laughs> rumor, rumor had it that rumor had it that Sean Connery was up for Morpheus, but he didn't understand the script. But that sounds too familiar of another tidbit trivia where he didn't understand. He, he was up for the uh, the architect. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. He understands Highlander, but he doesn't understand the Matrix. Come on. <laughs> 
Come on, Sean Connery. <laughs> of course. With Sandra Bullock for Trinity. He's that a Scottish man playing well. an Egyptian with, with, a, with a samurai sword. How weird, how weird is it that Sandra Bullock, when she found out that it was Keanu Reeves, was like, oh, no, maybe I would have wanted to do it. But she thought that Will Smith was going to do it. She thought Will Smith was going to get it. <laughs> no thanks. Oh, Will Smith? Nope. <laughs> Could you imagine Will Smith like waking up out of the Matrix? Woo! <laughs> But then uh, Jada Pinkett Smith uh, was cast as Nefertiti in the, in the other one. So, and she also auditioned for Trinity for the first one. Last two people that I had for uh, for Morpheus, you had Russell Crowe who turned it down, which is fine because the next three consecutive years he was up for best best uh, lead role, and he won it for Gladiator. So good for him. I Frost makes the blade <laughs> stick. But you know what? <laughs> Oh, Gary so Gary Oldman was up for Morpheus, and I wouldn't. Have I wouldn't mind that, that at all. I don't think he was old enough to pull off the gravitas that uh, that Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, did. Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, Fishburne but does. I think, but I think now, and I don't know if it's just the fact that because it's so cemented in history, and we've seen you know Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus so many times. I, I enjoy Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. I think that he brings a bit of like ambiance, even with his own like. Not like a brooding type of character, but he like he truly believes what this is. He believes this prophecy. He believes everything that is going to be coming up for it. Yeah, and and Lawrence Fishburne described Morpheus as both Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi wrapped right up, in up one. into the Whoa. same person. And it's it's interesting that Morpheus in mythology was the god of mm-hmm. dreams, and he's the people that right. wakes them up from said dreams. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you even have one of the other um, oracles who was a, a blind oracle with the Oracle of Delphi. And you have the blind man who is guarding the entrance to the elevator of the apartment complex where the oracle is living. Despite the fact that the blind man gave a nod. <laughs> In the name of the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar is King also, Nebuch- yeah, King Nebuchadnezzar. again, another nod back to, uh, you know, in... in uh, in the olden times, he was a conqueror, but he was seeking the answer from a dream that he had. He was also the architect of the Hanging Gardens in Babylon, one of the uh, wonders of the Which ancient wasn't, world. Wasn't Babylon originally named Zion, and Zion was the last human city? Well, dear. <laughs> so much references! <laughs> <laughs> so many references! So many! And, and yet not so many that, like, they start, or, like, that they're cheap references, or, like, that they're, like... Oh, come on. Like, you didn't need to, like, put that in there, too. Our ship's called the Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like, no, like, Neo, you're not the one. It works out for all the accidents. Jesus Christ! You're the Messiah. Like, uh, okay, whoa, whoa. Instead of the Matrix, it's just called Jerusalem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fight scenes. The, uh... Oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, no, and that's actually pretty good. Just for, for like the fight scenes. I mean, like Keanu Reeves had back surgery like before the before the filming of, of the movie. So he wasn't able to kick for properly for like the first uh, what, like three, two to three weeks. So uh, he had like two discs that were replaced, I think, in his lower back. Fused. Oh, they were fused. It was all that. Uh, it was all that fighting from uh, Point Break. <laughs> oh, I am an so FBI many times. My name is Neo <laughs> and I like to kick, punch and kick. kick. You also had Hugo uh, Hugo Weaving hurt his leg. No, he had a polyp. He had a polyp inside of his leg that he had to have surgery for uh, b- right when the movie was getting started. So he they were worried about having to replace him. So what they did is they actually shifted all of his fight scenes towards the end of the filming. They Hans Grubert so him. It wouldn't Good be move. an issue. They Hans Grubert. Oh. 
Well, if you die on the on the footage, then we just replace you. No, okay. So the fight <laughs> scenes, I think we we just talked about it that they're they're legendary, they're amazing. In the dojo fights, when in both my rewatches, one of them I would watch just Keanu Reeves, and in the second one I watched just Florence Fishburne. And watching their movements outside of the like of each, each other, other, it's. It's just so well done. I love Neo's little, like, nose flick that he does to, like... His little Bruce Lee action. His little Bruce Lee! Like, there's so many little Easter eggs in this film that just... They ooze everywhere. For Lawrence Fishburne, he projects so much, like, power and dominance. Especially when he comes in and he does that little, like, Kenpo, like, the Brazilian sort of, like, the, uh, the like that dance martial arts. Like, he does, like, the pop, 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 and then he comes in, like, <laughs> you're thinking, how can he possibly, how can Neo possibly stand up to this? Uh, it, it is, it is a, that scene is fantastic. It, it really is. I mean, it, it. I think it's only rivaled and possibly, possibly subdued by. And I think it's on two completely different levels of like hypeness for it. But of course, the business uh, building lobby scene, you know, like, please remove (laughs) all metal objects. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, excuse me, innocent bystander guards. Tell your wives, fuck you. When I was rewatching that scene, like. Back up. Does flipping cartwheels <laughs> between the columns actually make you less no. less less uh, prone to be hit by a bullet? <laughs> no, it doesn't make you less prone. However, I remember back when the movie came out and they, and they eventually came out with the video game for the PlayStation 2. I played that shit religiously. Enter and the, I would sometimes enter the even die on purpose at the very, like, the uh, yeah, the one where you actually, you would actually play the first game. And you could you could do the, the hotel lobby or the business uh, lobby uh, fight scene. You would fight the guards. You would have to dodge bullets. And you would eventually fight one of the, uh, one of the agents. I'd play that religiously over and over. It was so much fun to play so enter the matrix was a game and i don't know if that's the one you're talking about or not but it's you play as either ghost or uh jada jada smith nefertiti whatever her what was her name nefertiti and it's such a weird but great game so good because they did footage just for the game like with the real actors with it's it's a next level video game and like drew said some of the fights that you do, you're like, I could lose right now and I can just like restart this like level, right? Yeah, like and, <laughs> and I can I just do to, it like, all over again. <laughs> fight uh tr- there's a part where you fight Trinity in this like Zen garden, like like in like a little sparring. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, you had into the Matrix, you had the Path of Neo. Uh I think I think the Path of Neo, or it might have been still Into the Matrix, was it was it was part of Into the Matrix where you could fight all the Smiths in the courtyard, probably whirling around the uh, the stick. Another great movie because I mean, Path of Neo came out in two thousand four, I think. Okay, and the the last the last Matrix film, well, they both came out in two thousand three. Both of them came out. You had Reloaded two thousand three and Revolutions. I, I never played those video games. Were they just PlayStation exclusives? think they were maybe maybe sony maybe sony had a uh always been mm. a microsoft man myself mm. did you go just from 
I'm guessing 64. Yay, nay. To, uh, are, 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 yeah, I went directly from 64 years both, down both. the road to Xbox, the original okay, so Xbox. you did not go the PlayStation route at all. Yeah, yeah. So my, my oh, linear progression had, had been NES, Super NES, 64, Xbox, 360, Xbox One. I did most of that, but instead of going Xbox, I went PlayStation 2. I skipped PlayStation almost completely just because I was too... too po- I sank all my money into the 64 and, like, the expansion mm. pack, the rumble pack. The <laughs> oh, rumble the rumble pack. pack with Star Fox. Star Fox 64. No, <laughs> oh, th- shoot out another bomb. <laughs> Nathan, playing some Pokemon Stadium and putting oh, in your own oh. game cartridge and playing with Blue your own and Pokemon. Red and I've traded, no big deal. Let's let's <laughs> oh, go. Oh, let's oh. go. <laughs> it's magic. You know. I, I had a I had a weird jump in game systems. Went from the NES to a N64, but like intermittently in between there, it was like Game Boys and Game Gear. And then obviously to the 64 and from the 64 onto the PlayStation. We were never like a GameCube house or a Sega Saturn. <laughs> My buddy had a Sega and that's where Red the trade-off stepchild. was where it'd be like, hey man, do you want to borrow my Sega and its games and I will borrow your SNES and your games. And that mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. that was a weird shift because I'm like, why is there only three buttons? And they're like, too big. I'm playing Jurassic Park. <laughs> Crazy shit. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. My parents don't want me to play this, but like I'm sneaking it. Uh, gonna sneak it in through the back oh door. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> I saw on the news that this was bad. Although I think I do think it's I do think it's funny the fact that Neo being a program, obviously, like he has he has genetic he has code he has code in the Matrix. Yet when they go to find him, the agents are somehow fooled by a cubicle yeah. wall. Um. <laughs> Like they can't run a program what to are, find one of the him? blind spots, and, and maybe it was it was written in on purpose. But the whole dying in the Matrix makes you die in real life. I feel like maybe it well, would have been a little bit more fun if if you just like yeah, you, you woke up, up and you, you got you know to go I mean? back in, like those dreams where you you fall 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 like Inception, you know, fall fall yeah. fall, and then you wake up. Or Ready Player right? One, even and though it's I also weird that they say hate that movie, your but, mind uh, makes it real. So, Mouse, literally, his Too mind made mind. it so real that he just plunged, like, 70 holes in himself. Or, or that, ah. that, could be, that could be sort of, like, on the path to, like, ascending to Matrix Mastery is, like, you know, the neophytes that go in. Maybe if they get killed, they die. But the further along you progress and the more experience you gain, that you know, you can preserve your life. And then finally you get to the point where you can get freaking straight up shot point blank range with 50 caliber Desert Eagle bullets and survive that. Like that's the pinnacle. I don't know. I, I, I thought that it was a little bit of a hamstring or yeah. a bit too easy of a plot device for the matrix or just like you know but when joey pants when he disconnects them that would be sort of like the assassin style like oh infiltrated blah blah but just like you know accidentally getting game run over, over by a car <laughs> in the matrix and you're like oh well game over sorry you're dead could you imagine like mouse the assassin like not necessarily aboard the nebuchadnezzar but 
climbing those towers infinitely with like a tracker, finding the people who are problems in the Matrix and then just like slitting a knife inside like the cryo like preservation growing pod, disconnecting the body while it's inside and then just... But uh, the scene where they float the hover the helicopter down and Neo goes hammer and tongs with the uh, the the machine gun the the mini the gun. gun? Like, How does he not? That's hit an amazing Morpheus? scene. But when it's over and uh, the agents are sort of like regenerating in the hallway and you're waiting and like you can see the the handcuff links start to bend Get up, from man. Morpheus and every time even 20 years later I'm like come on Morpheus come on you can do it now Get come up. on rip them rip them things yeah. off yeah yeah he's not gonna make it boo you're my boy come on of course he's gonna make it and of, of course you know Agent Smith saying that the human the the human race is a it's is a virus. Smell. It's like a plague. <laughs> Ironically enough, he becomes it's a virus that infects the Matrix. <laughs> he runs his hand over the his, smell. his sweat, then he like shoves it back up his nose. Smell. God. <laughs> That's why I love Hugo Weaving. It's a great scene. And yeah, and such a such a huge difference between him there and obviously him as Elrond. Oh. Just I mean, uh, just the dynamic of the man's acting. They refer to him on set as Walter Cronkite. Dear. Due to the uh, and, and, uh, due to the neutral sort of business like tone that he uh, developed accent Mr. for this movie, Mr. Anderson, we've been having our eye on you for quite a while. Segments. This is even worse than usual. Yeah. Whoa. It's the Matrix. Our first segment. Whoa. Well. 1999 was a tense year, but the movie added a thick layer of people questioning the meaning of life. No joke. I remember going to church and hearing sermons about how Satan was, has blinded us and that we were chosen at one point in our life. Literally, you name it. Like, like oh, God's going to have you take, you know, it's like taking the red pill. Do you accept Christ or do you take the blue pill and, and just stay a sinner your whole life? <laughs> this, this is real. This is real. It's pretty aggressive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Matrix was a movie that notably woke, quote unquote, people for better or worse. What other movie left you scrambling for answers, inspired a new perspective, or flat out had you hyped about new thoughts in your head? I'll go. The first thing that came to mind uh, came out around the same time. I think it maybe may have come out the year before. Uh, was Fight Club? Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is: you do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the fight is over. Fourth rule, only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule, fights will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. That was really, I, I re distinctly remember going to see that movie with a friend and then leaving, calling up my other friends and saying, you guys, we have to go see this movie and going and seeing it a second time with a different group of friends, just because I was so 
as the kids would say these days, shooketh and woke <laughs> by how the movie progressed and uh, and where it took me. As a, a caveat or, or maybe a bonus, and in retrospect, around the same time I was in an English class. This, at the time, I said, this is the most boring teacher and he makes us read boring things that I'm never going to have to use again. <laughs> Here's what I think of your test. And one of the... <laughs> One of the books that we had to read and then subsequently watched was All the President's Men. And then watching that movie didn't make an impact on me then. You know, spending an entire quarter doing All the President's Men meant nothing to me when I was a sophomore in high school. But now, looking back, I think that teacher, for some of the lessons that he taught, that, you know, sometimes those that are the people that are in power are not, not always ethical. And I think now, more than ever, that's well, something that needs to be kept in mind. One movie, and it came out, if I'm not mistaken, it came out in 2000, if I remember correctly. But one movie that definitely had me kind of like scrambling for answers and trying to figure out, obviously, like as it was going and despite the ending, still kind of like looking back and going at it. Memento. Have I told you about Sammy Jenkins? Mm. Yeah. I'm sick of hearing about the guy. What about John G? You think he's still here? Who? Johnny G, the guy you're looking for. I mean, that's why you haven't left town. Am I right? Maybe. Leonard, look, you have to be very careful. Why? The other day you mentioned that maybe somebody was trying to set you up, get you to kill the wrong guy. Oh, well, I go on facts, not recommendations, but thank you. Lenny, you can't trust a man's life to your little notes and pictures. Why not? Because your notes could be unreliable. Memory's unreliable. Ah, oh, please. No, 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 really. Ask Memory's not perfect. It's not even that good. Ask the police. Eyewitness testimony is unreliable. The cops don't catch a killer by sitting around remembering stuff. Right. They I, collect uh, facts. That's not what I'm saying. They make notes and they draw conclusions. Facts, not memories. That's how you investigate. I know. It's what I used to do. Look, memory can change the shape of a room. It can change the color of a car. And memories can be distorted. They're just an interpretation. They're not a record. And they're irrelevant if you have the facts. I, I mean, mm. just, just w once I realized that you could, you had two options when watching that film. Like, obviously, when the, when the DVD came out, you could watch it the theatrical way, which is putting everything, obviously, out of place because you want to be in the mindset of his, you know, uh, amnesia, like, short-term memory thing. Or you could watch it in order. And I'm like, oh, God, why would you watch it in order? It, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin everything. Another one that kind of really made me kind of go, whoa, what, what would happen uh, is the movie Children of Men, where you have a future where women are no longer fertile. Like it had been uh, like 17 or 20 years in this, in this, you know, fictitious uh, world that no child had been born in that time. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's a whole nother generation, essentially, like that could have been, you know, growing up and ready and they had not had a kid. I mean, I mean, that's like downright scary to think that like, holy crap, like people can't have kids. We can no longer like, you know, procreate. We can't continue the human race. Everybody will eventually just die off. And I mean, I think that that was a weird reality to try and like even conceptualize because despite horrible things that are going to happen, even in fictitious ways in like literature and film, the human race still somehow like perseveres. But for the fact that they can't at all, it was really kind of impactful. I like it. So my my films are Jack actually hit yeah, the Fight Club one. The Fight Club, it's just when you watch it that first time, you're glued to it and just thinking, wait, what? 
And it's not like a, it's not like an Ocean's Eleven where you're like, oh, they were the cops, like just taking the money. Whoa! Like, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's that like legitimate mind blown feeling. <laughs> the only other movie I feel like Inception, where you're like, wait a minute, what the fuck? The one scene where his bosses give the presentation and he's just doing the uh, cornflower blue. Must be Tuesday. Uh, and the the one guy points is like, that guy over there knows what I'm talking about. That That's my man. And he does like the... And like shows him his like bloody teeth and gums. Oh, God. I laugh every single time. Such a fucked up, crazy movie. Two movies that like inspire me on a, like a weird level. And this is where like a lot of listeners are going to be like, what the hell? But Rudy, Rudy gets me on like that when when fortune's ta- when fortune's talking mm. to you about like don't let these people put you down to think that you're nothing like i did that like i thought that i wasn't getting played because of my color and i got all this attitude and so i quit like don't you're gonna walk out of here with a scholarship like it's just all these things where he's just like kind of shaking him like you are me don't make the same mistake and player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough? I don't know, just that movie always gets me of that, like, emotional, uh, like, keep trying, keep going. It's the underdog. Yep, yep, Paul Blart. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the second one is a goofy movie. <laughs> I know that's really weird. I know that's weird. But when you're a dad. Got myself in motion. <laughs> when you're a dad, it I love reminds that song. you, it reminds you to, like hang on to your kid and like just enjoy enjoy the time with them and so like whenever i'm watching that now i'm like hi dad you know <laughs> you know yeah you know you want to make soup in the car with a cigarette lighter <laughs> i never thought about that yeah. that's great okay next segment kung fu I'm going to learn Kung Fu. It's not rocket science. It's something I've questioned with every time that I've watched The Matrix. Being able to upload classes, fight styles, trainings, it's amazing. What would you learn, uh, what would you upload so you could learn without all the bullshit? For this segment, give me two programs uh, that you would upload. And then as a bonus, as a joke upload, uh, what would you subject your co-host to and for how many hours of quote-unquote training? I'll go first. So... The first thing I'm going to start off with is something that I've always wanted to do, but I've never really just I've never had the capability uh, to do so. I would love to learn to play either the banjo or the fiddle. OK, and not just like classical violining. Like I would I would love to fiddle. I love the sound of a fiddle. I like, you know, the the way it I don't know. It, it just like sings to me. But I don't know, like plucking a guitar, but also like hitting the chords at the same time. It just something doesn't register and I can't, I can't do like the same time. Kind of like playing the piano. One hand wants to play. The other hand just wants to like sit there and go numb. Um, call that a stranger. It, but, you know, again, 
<laughs> uh, so yeah, either either like playing the banjo or the fiddle. I, I think that would just be fun. I think that would just be like a goal or a dream to actually have that happen. Something that's completely out there and in, in just a hoot and a half. Uh, it's something I'm calling the Jackie Chan experience. It's not. It's not just learning drunken master and kung fu fighting. I want to learn how to improvise fighting just like Jackie Chan. So I can perfectly reenact all of his fight scenes, especially one pertaining to a ladder, and defeat all my enemies. <laughs> I want the Jackie Chan or experience. Or on the, on the side of a, a, a building. <laughs> right. Who am I? Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for those coconuts. Oh. <laughs> what would you subject us to, Drew? Let's uh let's get to that. So your uh your subjected course of training, Nathan, you are going to be a book editor, so you can finally <laughs> sit down <laughs> and be forced to read. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. You're welcome. So we have you as a book editor, um <laughs> and uh Jack Jack is going to get the all around substance abuse counselor. <laughs> oh jeez, no. No, no, no. Jack, you're going to be getting the worldwide and lo and behold best training for mall security from Paul Blart. Oh, no! <laughs> He's going to teach you the weaving in and out on his segway. On his segway, he's gonna he's gonna tell you that like the only holster that you need <laughs> is your mind, <laughs> and you're gonna be there every moment of, of of that day of that training for hours, mind you, mind you, hours uh, with uh, suckers at the ready just in case his blood sugar drops just a little bit low. How to shoot the hot sauce? <laughs> Luckily enough, with the end of the training, you do get to save them all oh. uh, from being taken over. So you do get Silver some action, lighting. but it's but of course it's going to be at the corner of Na and Ver. Never, sweet sweet Jesus. <laughs> My two programs that I would <laughs> that I would jump on would be parkour. Parkour. I think being able to just like, run and jump. Hey, laugh all you want. Like, I think it's badass. Like, being able to... You're getting an office clip right there. Yeah. Parkour! Parkour. <laughs> okay, we all go together, or we go one at a time. Here it is, here it is. Uh, truck, to refrigerators, to dumpster, 360 spin onto the palace, backflip gainer into the trash can. Yeah, gainer! Yeah. yeah! Parkour, parkour! Parkour, parkour! parkour. I'm right behind you, Andy! Come on! Do it! Yeah! Parkour. No, no, Nathan showing a house to prospective buyers and just like parkouring through the house. Fuck yeah. Do you see these walls? Parkour. And over here is the living room. Parkour. These kitchen countertops? Uh, parkour. Uh, and then the second one would be Wildland, <laughs> Wildland Survival. Because you know me, I'm all about alone, I'm all about law, anything that's like Survivor. I get to be Bear Grylls. <laughs> yes, I'm all about the shroud. I'm I'm doing it. So wildland survival skills, but I don't want to get like starving. I just want to know how to do. I just want to know how to do it all. You know, <laughs> I just want it to be now, real for you guys. <laughs> Drew, you will be doing disco rollerblading <laughs> for six hours because I want you to and that's Matrix hours like you know Neo went like ten hours he's a machine I'm giving you six hours of this because I think it's the most worthless thing but yet how awesome is that that you could be like 
So, Drew, <laughs> and not roller skating, roller blading, even more niche. And Jack, you just got married, and I don't think you got to take very much ballroom dancing for eight hours. Oh, I would love that. Ballroom dancing, and then, you know, we'll mix in, like, a couple, you know, like, on the, like... No, all silver lining, silver linings playbook the fuck out of that. We'll, you know, do a little bit of salsa, you guys will, you know, jump into some, yeah. You're not was, making this hard for Jack. Jack's gonna enjoy his training. Silver linings, I thought you didn't watch Silver Linings playbook. I didn't. I didn't. That's Drew. <gasps> Drew? Drew? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, patreon.com forward slash Real Feels Podcast. Get on that. You can, for just $10 a month, <laughs> you can make me watch a Silver Lining Playbook. <laughs> Come home to Simple Rick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack, your turn. Uh, so the two programs I would uh, have myself uploaded would be Creative Writing, all the, you know, as much as I could, and I don't know, chef training. Mm. Uh, and this would dovetail where during the day in the evenings, uh, I could write novels, scripts, stories, whatever, to fund my dream of not a restaurant, but a supper club. Oh. Where because because I I find the I find the idea of of cooking for a large continuous crowd of people abhorrent. I would much rather cook a large, wonderful, mini-course meal for a small number of like people. Like once a week? Yeah, once or twice a week. Uh, but that would not be fiscally no. responsible. Not one bit. But I have my, my, my literary returns to fall back on. So those would be my two. For Nathan, it would be um, reading comprehension. <laughs> God damn you guys in your books. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but the the shoes on the other foot now because Drew for you calisthenics. <laughs> just, just, it's fine. Just, it's 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 just straight up calisthenics <laughs> with like uh, Billy Banks like <laughs> one two three. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, there's a it's a bad movie. It's uh, Cameron Crowe's Aloha. Have you guys ever I have seen? No idea what that is. Nope. No. Either way, there's a scene where uh, um, one of the characters just happens to be running by the uh, the main main character's house, and they just sort of like run up and like, oh, just thought I'd pop in. Like, I know Drew lives several miles from me, but just like outside raking the leaves, the front, and all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, hey, Jack, how you doing? Oh, mind if I have some uh, going for some water? Oh, all right. oh, see you okay, later. Bye. All right, bye. Uh, okay. So, Just going so out for a mine. light jog. <laughs> <laughs> the third and final segment day. Study these sand tables. Know them forward and backward. Uh, the cast is given full-on books, like Out of Control, and uh, I cannot pronounce those two words. The Simulacra? Simula? Simulacra? 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 Like, simulacra and simulation. To read and understand and recite back. And uh, was it Neomancer? No. Uh, Neuromancer. Neuromancer. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how much literature has stuck with them through their lives and then these movies, movies defined most of their careers. What subject were you pushed to research and study for for an assignment or for work uh, that was above and beyond the normal light reading? And do you still remember much about it? I'll go first. Sir Francis Drake. 
was my uh we did a thing called like living history where like in fourth grade you had to like dress up as your yeah like history day yeah yeah and i was like i'll pick this like guys for francis drake like whatever because he was just on a list and when i started learning about him and my my dad was like flipping out he's like you got you got francis drake i'm like what so like you're like going off on this like why he's like because he's so awesome nathan and the more and more I started like researching about him, I'm like, this guy's badass. Why is there not <laughs> him like in uh, to the Spanish? Why is Francis <laughs> a bad name to have? I call me Francis. God damn it! Him the dragon. I'm like, oh, he's, he just. The more and more I learned about him, the cooler that he got. Um, how he uh, just betrayed and Elizabeth's like, all right, you're not admiral. Go. Fight this war for me. What do we do? Like, I will find you. I will find you. <laughs> My powder is soaking wet. Oh, great. But yeah, um, it stuck with me. So anytime I hear about Francis Drake or um, a, a game such as Uncharted comes out and is about Francis Drake's like descendant, I'm like, what? I love this. So. Yeah, Francis Drake has always kind of stuck with me and is my uh, uh, favorite historical person story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll go next. So I've got um, two, two of them. Um, I took an elective course in uh, Japanese history when I was in college, and that inspired me to read all 1,200 pages of James Clavell's Shogun uh fictional series or fictional book that and wonderful wonderful fucking story by the way but it gets into all the minutiae and the idiosyncrasies and the east meets west wonderful uh the other was i when you got into sixth grade in my school district you had to pick a one of three foreign languages to begin learning and you follow that from sixth grade through you know, 12th grade, and it could be French, Spanish, or German. Now, if I had known that my, I would move to California and my career would be in healthcare, I would have picked Spanish. <laughs> German? But I, but I did not. I picked German. Because uh, I, I was always fascinated that with, with German and German history, especially... 20th century German history. And I always sort of wanted to explore some of the factors about how one society suddenly turned into another society. So uh, during my German studies, when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, which is when I stopped, I read two historical accounts by uh, an English author. His name is Anthony Beavor. One of them is about Stalingrad. You know, 800 pages about the Battle of Stalingrad, which for you World War II buffs out there, I know you're very few and far between, uh, especially listening to us. But uh, Stalingrad was one of the pivotal battles of World War II, but we don't really know much about it or don't talk much about it because we are on the Western side. uh, And Russia became very much persona non grata after World War II. Uh, the other is the fall of Berlin, which is just the account of 
what the title says. So those were not required reading, but they were still things that I sought out and found and Good. completed and feel I'm better for. So, yeah. Good. Well, when uh, I was in eighth grade, we were given various research ta- research papers that we uh, were going to be writing. And so me thinking that it was going to be not only fun, but rather easy. I wanted to discuss medieval weaponry, not necessarily focusing on a specific weapon, but rather the broader spectrum of what was available to knights and like cavalrymen that were within the age. However, little little did I realize that that meant not only going on to researching like the history of the local areas, what weapons pertain to local areas, what weapons inspired said weapons that were in the medieval times. And then obviously, like if battles were taking place, like if they were from another country, like, did they have the same type of sword? Did they have it slightly, you know, did it have a flourish of some kind? So it was a lot more research than I anticipated, but thoroughly enjoyable. The other one was when I was in college, I was taking a class called Second Language Acquisition. And this I found fascinating. And this was more to the fact that if you have a uh, predominant language that you are obviously uh, raised in. It's your home language. Second language acquisition, you are literally acquiring a second language. However, the idea with second language acquisition that I really had to research with and I became really, really intrigued by is that with second language acquisition, you have a cultural identity that is normally obtained when getting said second language. And that not only pertains to like uh, where you are regionally with various uh, different ethnicities or races, but it can also pertain to like where you hang out. Like if if Jack and I started like really going into Star Trek, Nathan, and you're just gonna be all like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. So this, <laughs> so this is our this is our specific like cultural language that where we have identified culturally with identities Kabla! in that subsect. And so it's the same thing. Like if, if if the three of us started talking Magic the Gathering and Anna's like, yeah, yeah, Matt, yeah, you you tap the card? Okay. Okay. Tap. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you have a different subset of categorical vocabulary that is uh, subjected to whatever that language specifically pertains to within the within the culture or the subculture. And so that that became like a really fun topic to research and learn. And especially since the paper that I inevitably wrote was on gaming culture. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we do have a Patreon. Oh, yes. Have we finished? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So we do have a Patreon. This is a little bit on the cheaper end. Uh, we'll call it $25,000. And this is the Nebuchadnezzar experience or the woke experience where for $25,000, we will buy a Volkswagen bus, weld plates over all the windows and the windshield, and insert a periscope into the top, which is the only means the driver has to see the road. (laughs) With the rest of the money, we're going to buy legal counsel and a shit ton of LSD. And then we're just going to drive around in this fucked up bus, grabbing random people out of the street and offering them a red pill or a blue pill. And spoiler alert, one of those pills is LSD. 
and then Come just with go us. around, just go around waking people up for the Matrix, <laughs> and, and that'll be oh, that'll be it for about twenty four to forty eight hours before or we run out the of bus gets wrecked or we get arrested. <laughs> so maybe it should be closer to two hundred thousand dollars for the legal counsel. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> I mean, inevitably, we're we're just gonna have the LSD. And the other pill, the other pill is just going to be like a jelly belly. And we're just hoping oh, no one notices. And, and, I, and I'm going to be wearing the full-on Morpheus gear with the, the with the, the bridge of the nose glasses. And while one of you guys or, or some poor stranger is having a bad trip, I'm just going to lean down and be like, you think that's air you're breathing? <laughs> hmm. I love it. Just completely nonplussed <laughs> Not like the this. entire thing. If you have anything to say to Switch, say it now. Like this, not like this. No, like the the EMP pulse is like shooting fireworks out the back of the bus at the cop cars that are coming. You know the EMP pulse is is the uh, the defibrillator. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, that's real! (laughs) And we don't jab him in the back of the head to get him in the matrix. That's a Uh, shot of you know adrenaline to the heart to get him going again. (laughs) Drew, how do people get? a hold of us oh gosh well guys you can always look for us up on facebook twitter at real feels pod there is our instagram i periodically now actually update it and of course there is always real feels podcast at gmail.com should you want to send us an email and don't forget the one and only the tooch line that no one calls tank i need a tooch you make my operator go round how do, they, how do they call the Tooch Line? How do they leave a voicemail? Well, first off, if they want to call the Tooch Line, they better do it soon. <laughs> you hear that, folks? No. <laughs> no, you can call the Tooch Line. It is 661-376-0030. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what your programs that you personally would like to have do uh, done in the Matrix. What do you want to learn? What is your dream to possibly learn something without the repre- repercussion of uh, time, injury, or monetary value? Just, just folks, just interact with us <laughs> with your voices so on the Twitch line, or I will find you in a Volkswagen bus with welded shut windows and a periscope and I will force LSD upon you and you will not like it. You have anything to say to the tooch line? Copper top! <laughs> say it now. Watch, with the, with the threat of Jack, we're gonna get too many calls now. <laughs> you guys got any more of that LSD? <laughs> you got any, any more of them prophecies? Red pills. I need more red pills. Trust me, call the tooch line, you'll feel right as rain. Right as rain. Okay. What did you guys rate this film? For for the time that it came out and the revolution that literally it kind of started, but also the inspiration that it kind of set forth for other action films, not only using previous sets from a great film that I love, Dark City, which I think people sleep on most of the time. I give this movie five out of five. Five out of five bullet time spins. <laughs> if this was a uh, a Desert Eagle 50 caliber agent handgun, I would give it 95% of the clip left. Just one shot fired. Maybe two. Still good, still full. I, I too, would give this five red pills out of five pills, and I would take them all with no water, just <laughs> down them. Just it's choke still it down. a great movie. It's LSD. Yeah, it's all LSD. Sorry. <laughs> and, yeah, there's we really don't need to talk too much more about it. This film is fun. 
Uh, if you guys haven't watched it, then I don't. Yeah. If you haven't watched you it, must some, not be on planet wrong. Earth. But it's a it's a fucking yeah. classic. Yeah, it's it's really really good. So well, coming up for us, we have our final episode of season three, Return of the Fields, with my choice: literary adaptation. Adaptation. Mm. It uh, it was not an easy pick because there's so many. <laughs> So many, Nathan. They're they're thing. They're they're called books. They're uh, <laughs> oh, his, his pa- chapters, pages, uh, paragraphs. Printed ink is on the page. <laughs> you know the, the weight, <laughs> the weight of it in your hands. It just feels so good. Uh, being the, <laughs> the literary adaptation pick is a lot like being the war pick. No one can tell you you're <laughs> worthy pick of the genre. You just are through and through, balls to bone. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, guys. Thank you for joining us for Heroic Fantasy. And uh, as always, you are the realist. And the feelist. Holy shit, this is real? I know kung fu. (laughs) (laughs) Open your mind.